All right, well, we're there in Isaiah 66. If you look at verse number one, the Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things have mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is uh, poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my words. So keep your finger there in Isaiah 66, and go with me to the book of Acts. Uh, of course, Isaiah 66 is our chapter for tonight, but if you go to Acts, we gotta, we got to move quickly, because it's already 626, and the pizza is supposed to be here at 7. Now, sometimes they get here early, sometimes they get here late, so we'll see how it goes. I'm just going to preach till they get here, all right? Uh, Isaiah 66, in uh, and, and Acts chapter number 7. Now, in Acts 7, in verse number 48, uh, we're going to begin in verse 48. Acts 7 is basically a sermon that's being preached where Stephen is preaching a sermon that actually ends up getting him killed. But while he's preaching, he kind of goes through the history of the children of Israel, and it's a real intense type thing. But he quotes from Isaiah uh, 61. Now, you got to remember, when you're studying the Bible, the, 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 the closer we get to the, the book of Revelation, the more things make sense. So even if there's a quote uh, from, you know, like in the New Testament, a quote from the Old Testament, we should actually use the New Testament context to explain to us what the, what the Old Testament prophet was saying. Because here's what Stephen had that you and I don't have, and don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. We all have the Holy Spirit that guides us and teaches us. But when Stephen was, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was actually speaking the words of God and was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, everything he said was correct. Does that make sense? So when he's commenting on the Old Testament, we know that what he's saying is right. And that's why the Bible teaches us to compare spiritual things with spiritual things and allow the New Testament to comment on the Old Testament. Now, Stephen quotes uh, Isaiah 66. Look at verse number 48. Notice what he says. He says, How be it the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hand. So according to Stephen, he's about to quote Isaiah, and he says the, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that the context, and I think it, you, no, nobody would argue this, the context is about the temple. The, the temple that the Jewish people built for God. Notice what he says. How be it, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Now he's going to quote the prophet Isaiah. Notice verse 49. Now if you want to flip back and forth and, and notice a quote, you can do that. Isaiah seven forty nine. he says, heaven is my throne. And, and of course, Isaiah 66, 1, he says, the heaven is my throne. Uh, Acts seven forty nine says, and the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build? Uh, will ye build me? Saith the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Now, according to Stephen, he's referring to the Jewish temple. He's referring to the temple of the Jews. Notice verse fifty: Hath not my hands made all these things? And that's exactly quoted from Isaiah. You can compare those quotes. Uh, uh, keep your finger there in Acts seven, but go back to Isaiah sixty-six just so you can see the quote. Look at verse one: Thus saith the Lord: The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Again, referring to the temple. And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. That's what Stephen quoted. Now, if you go back just real quickly to Acts chapter 7, and when you get to Acts, uh, just put a bulletin or a ribbon or something there in Acts because we're going to come back to the New Testament here in a minute. But in verse 48, he says we're talking about the temple. And in verse, four, uh, in verse 51, he says this, because he just quoted Isaiah and is about to apply it. Notice verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying you're uncircumcised, but he's not saying that they're physically uncircumcised. He said they're not circumcised in their heart. 
in their soul. These people are actually physically circumcised because they're physically Jews. But he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Notice what he says, as your fathers did, so do ye. So again, Stephen is preaching against the Jews and against their fathers, the fact that they're not circumcised in heart, the fact that, and here's what he's basically saying, God is not impressed with your temple. And even the disciples took Jesus in Matthew 24 and tried to impress him with the temple and said, you know, let us show you the temple. And he said, you know what? A stone will not, you know, stay with another. He said, that temple is going to get destroyed. And, 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 you know, the lesson for us is this. Our emphasis ought not be on buildings. Our emphasis ought not be on things. You know, it's good to have buildings. It's good to have a place to meet. Obviously, I'm glad we have nice, comfortable chairs, and I'm glad we have a nice platform, and I'm glad we have whatever God has given us. But, but God is not impressed with temples. And he's talking about the Jewish temple and the fact that he's not impressed with it. Go back to Isaiah 66. Look at verse 2. Notice what God is impressed with. What is it that God is looking for? He says, For all those things hath mine hand made. And really, it's silly for us to think, you know, that we can take materials and build something for God, and then God will be impressed with that when everything that we have, God gave us. And, you know, anything that we build is because God allowed us to build it. He said, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. Notice, he says, but to this man will I look. He says, I'm not impressed with the temple, but I'll tell you, here's what I'm impressed with. I'm impressed with this man, even to him that is of a poor and contrite spirit. Talking about someone who's humble, and he says, and trembleth at my word. Here's what he said. He said, I am impressed with someone who's interested and trembleth at my word. When the word of God is spoken, they are fearful of what God says. They are respectful about what God says. They're interested in what God says. Notice verse 33. So in verse 1 and 2, he talks about the temple. In verse 3, he talks about the rituals. Because notice what he says. He says, he that killeth an ox as if he slew a man. Now, the Levitical law told them to kill an ox from time to time for their sacrifices. But he says, you know what? You can kill an ox, and it's like if you slew a man. He says, he that sacrificed the lamb, they were supposed to sacrifice the lamb for the Passover, as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation, as if he offereth swine's blood. He that burneth incense, as if he blessed an idol. And he says, yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth not in their, uh, or their soul delighteth in their abomination. Here's what he's saying. I'm not interested in your rituals. I'm not interested in your religion. I'm not interested. He said, you can keep all the laws. He said, it doesn't mean nothing to me, because they have chosen their own ways. They're not interested in what God says. They're not interested in what God's doing. Now, the context here is Isaiah preaching to the, the people of his day there and, and the fact that the Jews had began to believe in a, in a works religion. They were keeping the law, not as a memorial, as a foreshadow of things to come, but they were thinking like, we have to keep, do these sacrifices, we have to have this Passover, we have to do this and we have to do that in order to keep the law, in order to be saved, in order to be able uh, to go to heaven. And here's what God says. God says, I'm not interested in that. He said, and that's been the theme throughout the entire book of Isaiah. I mean, the first chapter he's talking about, I'm not interested in your your religion and in your rituals, and I'm not interested in the things that you do. Now, last week we looked at Isaiah 65, and I was talking about the fact 
that the Jews have been rejected of God. And I want you to go back to Isaiah 65 and look at verse number 1, because you got to understand this when you study the Bible. The chapter divisions and the verse divisions were not given uh, by God. They were added, you know, afterwards by men, and I'm thankful they're there, they're there and they're good, and, and, and there's a lot of, you know, interesting things about that anyway, the way that they're divided. And, you know, I've mentioned to you before that a lot of great verses are in the 316 of, of a book, you know. So I do believe God had his hand on that. But I want you to understand is when God was given the book of Isaiah to Isaiah, he didn't say, you know, chapter 66, verse 1. You know, he didn't. He, he was just giving him the word and Isaiah was just preaching and, and, and writing it down and those things. So in Isaiah 65, 1, the Bible says this, I am sought of them that ask not for me. Talking about the Gentiles. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. He said, he said I, he, and that's, the Bible tells us that's talking about the Gentiles, verse 2. He says, I've spread out my hands all the day long unto rebellious people. It's talking about the Jews. And he says, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. He said, I spread out my hand. He said, I'm reaching out to the Jews, but they, they're rebellious. They're, they're, they're not uh, listening. They're not wanting. So then he says, I was sought of them uh, that found not me. Now go back to Romans uh, chapter number 10. If you're there in the book of Acts, uh, the very next book is the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 10. And last week I was showing you how this is a quote from Isaiah 65. And I just want to show you that quickly because I want to show you a couple more things from, from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, but Isaiah is very bold say it. So here's a quote. I was found of them that sought me not. Talking about the Jews. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. So Romans 10 and the Apostle Paul is basically teaching what Isaiah taught in Isaiah 65. Now last week when, when, we, when I was talking about this, somebody asked me about Romans chapter number 11. And that's a very valid question. And I want to take a moment to answer that because here's what I've learned as a pastor. If one person asks me a question, there's probably several people that are wandering, you know, uh, thinking about the same thing. And I was specifically asked about Romans 11, but I also had just a couple other people just ask me about this subject, about what we believe about the Jews. So I want to make sure I'm communicating my thoughts properly. If I've got two or three people asking me something, you know, then maybe I'm not making myself clear. So I want to try to answer that question. You're there in Romans 10, and I want you to look at Romans 11. Now, here's what's interesting. Just like Isaiah 65 deals with the same subject of Romans 10, Romans 11 actually deals with a similar subject found in Isaiah 66. So we're going to make those connections. But I want you to notice uh, Romans chapter number 11. Because in verse 1, the Bible says this, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Now, look, it's a valid question to ask. You know, if we believe, you know, God has rejected his people, if we believe that, that, that the Jews are no longer God's chosen people, that God chose another nation, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that, that he basically took the blessing from them, he took the covenant from them, and he established a new nation, then what is Romans 11.1? 1? It's a good question. Because in Romans 11, 1, he says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Uh, God forbid. Now, I want to show you what this, what this passage is talking about. And I want to, you know, connect it back to Isaiah 66. But let me just go ahead and say this, all right? I'm not a pope up here, all right? It's not like what I say is the word of God. 
okay? My job as a pastor is to try to teach you the Bible, do the best I can to study and explain to you, and then your job is to study and show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, you know, I don't want people to get this idea like, well, pastor believes this and, and everybody has to believe that way. We can disagree. It's your job to be like we were talking about a few weeks ago, like the Bereans, that they go and search the scriptures daily, whether those things are so. So, of course, it's your job to study it out. And, of course, we can disagree. That's not a problem. I don't have, any, you know, I don't have a hang up with that. But let me explain to you, because it is a good question, you know, how does Romans 11 fit into our belief that the Jews have been rejected. Look at verse 1 of Romans 11, and then we're going to connect it back to Isaiah 66. Notice what it says. I say that, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Now, because of this phrase here, you know, often people say, see, God has not cast away his people. And, and, and I, the only thing I would say about that is you've got to read everything in its context, you know. And in the book of, of Romans, you've got chapters 9, 10, and 11 that are kind of a trilogy all dealing with the Jews. And we're going to look at a few of those verses. But he says, God forbid. Now, notice what he says. For I, now this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul says, look, God did not cast away his people. I am of, uh, an Israelite. He said, I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of uh, Benjamin. Look at verse 2. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What? Now, the word what means, you know, don't you know or don't you have knowledge? He says, what ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? Now, Elias is Elijah. So he's about to give us an example. And he says, don't you know what the scripture says about Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, remember that famous story about Elijah, where, where he goes to God, and, and basically, verse 3, he says, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Remember, Elijah went to God and said, you know, I'm the only one left. They, no one's serving you. I'm, the, I'm alone. I'm all by myself. Look at verse 4. And what saith the answer to God, of God? So what did God respond to uh, Elijah? Uh, unto him. Here's the response. I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So remember, if you remember that story in the Old Testament, we won't take the time to go there. But Elijah basically comes to God and he says, I'm all alone. There's no one else. You know, they, they're all worshiping Baal. And, and God says to Elijah, hey, wait a minute. There's 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You know, you're not all alone. And, and, you know, sometimes in the world we feel like we're all alone and we think like the whole world's against us. But there's people all over this world that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that believe the things that we believe. And we're, we're never really alone. But that's the example he gives. Look at verse 5. Even so, so here's what he's saying. He's saying, in the same way. In what way? In the same way that Elijah thought he was all alone, but God said, no, there's 7,000 that still haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He says, even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant. Now, if you don't mind writing in your Bible or underlining in your Bible, uh, uh, you know, underline that word remnant, okay? Because he says, in the same way that Elijah wasn't by himself, he says, even so, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if you don't mind underlining in your Bible or writing in your Bible, I would circle that word election, all right? Because he says, look, God has not cast away his people, Romans 11, 2. Why did God not cast away his people? Because there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, why does he say according to the election of grace? Here's why he says it, because, and we already talked about it, but I want to show it to you from the Bible. Because the Jews' religion is a religion of works, all right? 
Now, they're not, wor- you know, it's not like, it's, it's like any false religion. Islam is works, you know, Mormons are works, Jehovah's Witness are works, you know, it's like any religion that believes in works. And, and that's what Paul is teaching. You're there in Romans 11. Skip down to verse number 18, just real quickly, just to make the point. Notice what he says, verse 18. And by the way, verse 18 is a good, a good thing for, for us to remember. Because he says, boast not against the branches. Now, if you look at the context, he's saying that the Jews were a branch that were broken off, all right? And he says, but don't boast. He says, don't brag against the branches. And this is what, I, what I've noticed with you know, fundamental Baptists who, who believe in the replacement theology, that God rejected the Jews, and basically, you know, he's now looking at a new nation of Gentiles. What I've noticed is people have this tendency to become these Nazis, where it's like, the Jews are just so terrible, and they're just bad. Hey, listen, I don't hate Jewish people. Okay, they're, they're unbelievers like anybody else, all right? Boast not against the branches. That's why sometimes I can't roll with these people. I'm way too brown to be a skinhead, all right? I'm just, it's not going to work, all right? So he says, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Here's what he's saying. You're not the root. He said, you don't bear the root. The root is Jesus Christ. The root is God. He said, the, the, the branch doesn't bear the root. The root bears the branch. Notice verse 19. Wilt thou, wilt thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And that's the problem. We can't get this attitude like, God broke off the Jews to let me in. Like, like I'm something special. Because notice what he says. Thou, thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, notice, because of unbelief they were broken off. So why were they broken off? Because of unbelief. And thou standest by faith. Why were you grafted in? Because of faith. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of anything I've done. Not because all of a sudden God wants to, you know. It's never been about the Jews or the Gentiles. It's always been about Jesus Christ. And it's always been about those who believe on Christ. So he says, why were they broken off? Because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. He said, don't get proud. Don't get arrogant. You're not special. And by the way, that was the problem with the Jews. They thought they were God's chosen people and we're better than everybody else and we're not going to go anywhere and we're not going to preach the gospel to anybody and we ought to be careful not to go down that road. Notice verse number, go, go, go. So, so, but here's what I want you to notice. Why were they broken off? Because of unbelief. Why were we engrafted in? Because of our faith. Go to Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 3, just real quickly. What was the problem with the Jews? Romans chapter 10, verse 3. He says, for they, talking about the Jews, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Isn't that works religion? I mean, that's a perfect description of works religion. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. So that's why the Apostle Paul, go back to Romans chapter 11 and look at verse number, let's start at verse 5 just to get the context again. He says, even so, in the same way as Elijah Then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, did you underline that word election? Notice verse 6. And he's saying there's a difference here because the Jews are establishing their own righteousness. The Jews were taken off because of unbelief. He says in verse 6, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, that's just a great verse to explain. The word grace means free. 
You know, you, you, maybe you have a house you pay mortgage on or you have rent and you get like a grace period. Payments are on the first, but they give you till the fifth, fifth to pay, right? Call that a grace period. It, it's just free. It's, the theological term is unmerited favor. You're getting something you did not deserve. You're getting something you did not earn. Work is the opposite of that. Work is something you earn. Work is something, you know, when I get paid, I'm not getting anything for free. I worked and I got paid. And here's what Paul is saying. If it's of grace, if it's free, then you don't earn it. Otherwise, it's not free. And if it's of works, if you earn it, then it's not grace. You know, and, and, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, and if it be of grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more works. And that's a great verse for people who try to tell you, oh, no, 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 it's faith in Jesus Christ and works. No, it's either grace or it's works, but it's not both. Amen. Now, look at verse 7. What then? Now, notice what he says. Israel hath not obtained. Okay, so Israel's talking about the nation of Israel. Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. Now, here's what I want you to notice what it says. I hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Here's what it's saying. Israel did not obtain, the election did obtain. So according to Romans 11:7, are Israel and the election the same thing? No, they're not. Because he says Israel hath not obtained, and he says the election hath obtained. Now circle that word election in Romans eleven seven. If you don't mind writing your Bible, draw a line between the word election in Romans eleven five and down to the word election in Romans eleven seven. Because according to Romans chapter number eleven, why were the Jews not cast away? Hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Right? Verse 1. Verse 2. God hath not cast away his people. Why? Why did not God cast away his people? Verse 5. Because there is a remnant. But where is that remnant? Because you've got two sides in verse 7. You've got Israel and you've got the election. Where is that remnant? It's in the election because they are according to the election of grace. You see what I'm saying? So the, the idea to say that because of Romans 11, God can't get rid of his people doesn't hold water, and here's why. Because according to Romans 11, the reason that God did not cast away his people is because there's a remnant. But when you ask God, where is that remnant? He would not say they're in Israel. He would say they're in the election. Because in verse number 7, he says, there Israel has not obtained, the election has obtained. He's saying the election and Israel are two different things. And according to verse 5, where is the remnant? They are a remnant according to the election of grace. Because here's the thing. It's not that God just said no Jew can be saved. Any Jew who wants to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. And they can be part of that election. We are, we, we are elect because we are in Christ because it is Christ who's elected. It's not us being special. God chose Christ and anyone in Christ can be uh, elected. But the Bible is very clear here. The remnant, which would be Paul, the remnant, which would be Peter, the remnant, which would be any you know, Jewish believers even today, they're not in Israel because Israel have not obtained, but the election hath obtained. Does that make sense? Now, let me show you a couple things. Go, go to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Because here's, here's what we're trying to get away from is this idea that because the so-called Jews of today want to call themselves God's chosen people, that they get this free pass 
that they're just God-chosen people, so there's something special about them. we got to bless them. we got to pray for them. we got to do all these things, and things that we would never do for any false religion. I mean, we preach against the Catholics for teaching work salvation. We preach against the Mormons for teaching work salvation. We preach against the, the Islam for preaching work salvation. We preach against, you know, all these religions for preaching work salvation. But then when it comes to the Jews, we give them a, a, a free pass. But listen, the Jewish religion today has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you there in 1 John chapter 2? Look at verse number 22. 1 John 2.22. Now, now let, let me make something clear. My whole life I was taught the opposite of what I'm preaching right now. My, I grew up in an independent federal Baptist church. I was taught that the Jews are God's chosen people. The Jews are special. The Jews can do nothing wrong. But listen, when you study the Bible, you've got to decide, does it matter what the Bible says? 1 John chapter 2, look at verse number 22. Notice what the Bible says. 1 John 2.22. Who is a liar but he that believeth that Jesus is a Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now notice, he's saying, who is a liar but he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ? Now here's the thing. It's not saying that they're rejecting Jesus. Okay, this individual is denying that Jesus is the Christ. So this individual not only has to believe that there is a Christ, but they have to believe that there is a Christ and that it's not Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now let's study scripture, uh, uh, you know, and compare it with, with spiritual things. Go to John chapter number 4. John, keep your finger there in 1 John, because we're going to come right back to it. But go to John chapter number 4, and look at verse number 25. Because we have to allow the Bible to define itself. The Bible is its own dictionary. We can't go to commentaries. We can't go to Bible colleges. We can't go to, to people's institutions to figure out what we believe. We have to go. And by the way, you can't come to me. You have to have the Bible. The Bible is the authority. In a Baptist church, the Bible is the authority in all matters of faith and practice. John 4, 25. John 4, 25. Notice what the Bible says. John chapter 4, verse 25. The Bible says this. Uh, good night. I'm in Luke. That's why I'm having a problem. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4. Because the question is this. What, what does the word Christ mean? In John 4, 25, the Bible says this. Because, you know, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Okay? Notice what the Bible says. John 4, 25. The woman saith unto him. John 4, 25. I know that Messiah cometh which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things, okay? So she just defined for us what the word Christ means. She says, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. So the word Christ means the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah, all right? Go back to 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse 22. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Messiah? Who is a liar, but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. So this individual believes there's a Christ, believes there's a Messiah, but does not believe it's Jesus. Now, what religion today believes there's a Messiah, but rejects Jesus as the Messiah? It's the Jews. He says, who is a liar, but he that denied that Jesus is Christ? Notice, he is anti-Christ, that denied the Father and the Son. And here's what we got to understand. Can you go back to John? Go to John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. And I just want to show you what the Bible says, and you need to study it on your own and make your own decisions. John chapter 5, look at verse number 46. John chapter 5, verse 46. Here's what we need to understand. When Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews of his day, the Pharisees of his day, were not the same Jews of David and Moses and Joshua and Solomon. All right? The religion had changed. The Jews that lived in the day of Christ and the religion that lived in that same religion that continued on today is not the same religion that Abraham, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and of Moses and of Joshua and of the judges and of King David and, and of King Solomon. It's a different religion. Let me show it to you in the Bible. John chapter 5, look at verse 46. Notice what the Bible says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. 
for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? So here's what Jesus said. If you believe Moses, you'll believe me. Now here's what the Jews say. They say, oh, we believe in the Torah. We believe in the writings of Moses. Well, here's the thing. If you say you believe in the writings of Moses, but you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then, then, you're not, then you don't believe in Moses. And they don't believe in Moses. They say they believe in the Torah, and they got all these other books that, you know, take precedence over the Word of God. But Jesus himself said, if ye had believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Let me show you an even uh, more incriminating verse. Go to John chapter number 8. Look at verse 33. John chapter 8, verse number 33. Notice what he says. Jesus talking about having a discussion with the Pharisees, which are the religious leaders of his day, the, the Jews' religion. Notice what he says, John chapter 8, verse number 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Which is silly, because when they're saying these words, they're in bondage right now to the Romans. But they say, you know, we be Abraham's seed. We, we are descendants of, physical descendants of Abraham, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Because Jesus is telling them, hey, you can be free if you believe on me. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. Now notice what Jesus says right here. He says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. He said, I know that you are a physical descendant of Abraham. But here's the problem. Ye seek to kill me because my word had no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Now, here's what's interesting. He told them, I know physically you came from Abraham, but Abraham's not your father. Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that had told the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. See, here's the thing. If Abraham lived during the, the, during the, during the times of Jesus, Abraham would have believed on Jesus. And J Abraham would have been one of the disciples, you know. So for the Jews to say, oh, no, 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 we believe in Moses. We believe in the writings of Moses. We believe in, Abra in Abraham, but we reject Jesus. Then you've got to decide who's lying, either they are or Jesus. Because Jesus said, if Abraham was alive today, he would have believed on me. Notice verse 39. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they, uh, they say to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my words? Ye are of your father the devil. Now he just told us, You're physically of Abraham's seed. But he said, You're really of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, now go, back, go back to Romans chapter number 11. Let me show you the connection to Isaiah 66. Okay? Romans chapter number 11. And look at verse number, uh, let's see. need to make sure I'm on the right place here. Romans chapter number 11. Good night. Put my notes down. Look at verse number 8. Romans chapter number 11 and verse 8. Notice what it says. Romans 11 and verse 8. 
according as it is written. Because in verse 7 he said, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So there's a difference between the election and Israel. The remnant is in the election of grace. Notice verse 8. According as it is written, God hath, not given them the, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now here's the connection to Isaiah 66, because he says, hey, there's a different, he said, God has not forsaken his people. Why? Because they're in the remnant. But where are they? Are the remnant in Israel? Are they in the election? Well, they're in the election of grace, because in order to be in Jesus Christ, you cannot believe in a work salvation. And then he says this about them. He says in verse 8, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear uh, unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling and a recompense unto them, let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see and bow down their back always. Now, Jesus said the same thing. He said that he preached in parables because he didn't want them having eyes to see and ears to understand. He said, they've crossed the line. He said, they, they had their chance. And he said, I don't want them to understand. Now, go back to Isaiah 66. Notice the connection. Look at verse 4. Isaiah 66. We got we to hurry up because that pizza is going to be here in a minute. Isaiah 66, look at verse 4. I also will choose their, make note of this word, delusion. Now, the word delusion means a deception or false belief. He said, and will bring their fears upon them. Now, why? Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. Now, he says, I'm going to send a delusion. He said, I, I'm, I, I'm going to send something so that they cannot understand. I'm going to send the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, or, uh, see, and ears that they should not hear. Now, here's what's interesting. That word delusion is used one other time in our King James Bible. Let's look at it real quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We, we, the pizza's here, but it's all right. You didn't even know there was pizza tonight. So you, you didn't even come for the pizza. So good. 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Let's look at it quickly. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. You find the T-books. They're all kind of put together. Now, 2 Thessalonians is about the Antichrist. All right? That's the context. You, you can study it on your own. But look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. That's the Antichrist. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all, notice this word, deceivableness. Okay? Because he's lying of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of truth that they might be saved, verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong, what? Delusion, deception, false belief, that they should believe a lie. Now notice the connection. What is the connection that the Antichrist has to a religion? Look at verse 4. We didn't read it for a second time, but look at verse 4. Second Thessalonians 2, 4. Who opposed it and then exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, the Antichrist, as God, sitteth in the what? Temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, the connection to the temple right now is a bad connection. Today, I get mail, people send me mail and saying like, you know, will you donate money to rebuild the temple? Why would we want to rebuild the temple that the Antichrist is going to sit in and set up the abomination of desolation and, set, and declare himself God? You know, today, the Jewish religion is a false religion. Today, they're not, now, now go, let, let's just look, look more, go, go to Revelation, go to the book of Revelation. Let's do it quickly because we got we to gotta finish up. Revelation uh, chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. 
Now listen, Isaiah is telling us that there's a day coming when Jerusalem will be established. There's a day coming when the temple will be. Jesus Christ will reign from Jerusalem at the millennial reign, and he will rebuild the temple, and all of that will be great. But today, Jerusalem is not a good place. In fact, the Bible calls it you know, spiritual Sodom and Egypt. Are you there in Revelation? should be fairly easy to find. Look at Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 8. Let me just show you a couple things. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse number 8. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 8. Notice what the Bible says. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say, don't miss this, don't miss this, which say they are Jews and are not. But what are they of the synagogue of Satan? Now, are we supposed to believe that they're God's chosen people when Jesus Christ, if you have a red letter edition Bible, these words are in red. You know what that means? Jesus spoke these words. He said, there are people which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, fear not those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Look at verse number 9 of chapter number 3. Next book over. Uh, Romans 3, 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Now, what religion today has a synagogue? There's only one religion that has a synagogue. The Jews. And look what he says. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. There are people today who say, I'm a Jew, but they're not a Jew. Because if they were a Jew and they really believed in Abraham and they really believed in Moses, they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, who's the Jew today? The one who's in Christ. Who's the one that is Christ? It's us. I'm more of a Jew than the guy, you know, that calls himself a rabbi because he's anti-Christ who denied the Father and the Son. And he says, look, they're the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship for thy feet and know that I love thee. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Which say they are Jews and are not. Go to Romans chapter 9. We got to do it fast. I ran out of time. Romans chapter 9. Look at verse 6. Just do it quickly. Romans chapter 9. Look at verse 6. Romans 9, 6. What does that mean? Which say they are Jews and are not. Romans 9, 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. Now notice what he says. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now, the word of means that you came from. You study that word of throughout the King James Bible, that's what it means. It means you proceeded forth from. He says, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither, notice, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall I seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Look, just because you are a physical descendant of Abraham does not make you a child of God, according to Romans chapter 9. Just because you are a remnant doesn't mean you're part of the nation of Israel because God says he puts you in the election. He calls it the synagogue of Satan. He says they are Jews and are not. Jesus said if you believed Abraham, you'd believe in me. Jesus said if you believed Moses, you believe in me. The Bible says that if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, you're an antichrist. But today we're supposed to think that, no, no, these are God's chosen people. We just pray for them and miraculously they're all going to turn to God. No, these are Christ-rejecting people. Should we hate the Jews? No. Should we, should we you know, uh, be against them? No. We should try to get them saved. They need the gospel like anybody else. But we shouldn't give them this free pass where it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. we're going to side with the Jews against the Muslims. Look, they're both false religions. They both don't believe the word of God. They're both against Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation 11. Let me just finish this up. We've got to be done. Revelation 11, look at verse 8. Now, the matter about Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem today? Revelation 11, 8. Notice what the Bible says. Revelation 11, 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets 
of that great city, notice, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So the city that is called Sodom in Egypt is the city where our Lord was crucified. Where was our Lord crucified? Jerusalem. So what's the city? What's that great city called today? Today, it's called Sodom. Spiritually, it's Sodom and Egypt. It's not, it's not the Holy Land today. Today, it's Sodom. Today, it's Egypt. Today, it's rejected. Now, look, one day it will be a holy. And that's what Isaiah 66 is about. Just go back to Isaiah 66. Let me give you just a couple things, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll finish this up. Isaiah 66, look at, look at verse 10. Now, well, look at verse 6, okay? A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple. Now, you say, well, that's the city, Jerusalem. That's the temple. But when? Notice, a voice of the Lord. So when the Lord is in the city, when the Lord is in the temple, that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Look at verse 10. Rejoice ye, notice, with Jerusalem, and be glad with her. With who? With Jerusalem. All ye that love who? That love who? Uh, that love her. Who's the her? Jerusalem. Rejoice for joy with her. With who? Jerusalem. All ye that mourn for her. For who? Jerusalem. Look at verse 12. For thus saith the Lord. I just want to show you this. I will extend peace to her like a river. That's why we sing, you know, that song. When peace like a river. That's where it comes from. I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory, now notice, the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Do you see that? See, when the Lord returns and restores Jerusalem, it won't be like today. It'll be a Jerusalem that's open to the Jews and the Gentiles, open to anybody who believes on Christ. Notice verse 13. And as one who is, who's, uh, whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted. Notice, in Jerusalem. Now, when is all this going to happen? Verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire, and with his chariots like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. When is this all going to happen? When the Lord returns. When the Lord returns, Jerusalem will be restored. And he will rule and reign from Jerusalem, the Bible says. But is Jerusalem spiritual? I'm not saying that it's a bad, you know, you want to go to Jerusalem, that's fine. You know, it, I, I think it'd be cool to go see where the Bible stories took place. But spiritually, we're talking about spiritually, are those God's people today? No, spiritually today, they're Sodom and Egypt. But one day when the Lord returns after his wrath, according to verse 15, he's going to restore Jerusalem. Look at verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather. Notice, when, when God restores Jerusalem, he will gather all nations and tongues. And they shall come and see my glory. And I will set signs among them. And I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pol, and Lud, that draw the bow, to Tobal and Jabin, to the isles of far off, and have not heard my name, neither have seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. That's what the Jews aren't doing right now. Look at verse 20. And they shall bring of all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all, notice, nations upon horses and chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord. Are we saying that Jerusalem will never be restored? No. But today, is it a spiritual place? No. And when it becomes a spiritual place, when God returns and restores Jerusalem, it'll be for all Gentiles, for all believers. And that's what the Bible teaches. You don't have to turn there. Romans 10, 12 says this, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. If you call upon Him, whether you're Jew or Greek, whatever you are, if you call upon, you'll be in the accepted, you'll be in the beloved, you'll be in Jesus Christ, and you'll be in the elect. That's what the Bible teaches. 
Now notice verse 21, just to get the context. And I will take them of the priests, of the Levites, saith the Lord, for as the new heavens and the new earth, that's the context, when will Jerusalem be restored? In the end times. As the new heaven and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your uh, name remain. I don't want to skip verse 24. Just read verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be abhorred unto uh, all flesh. Now, if you want to just do, write the cross-reference, Mark 9, 43 and 48. Jesus quotes Isaiah, uh, that phrase, their worm di- uh, shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, in reference to hell. That's a description of hell because here's the thing you can't talk about heaven without talking about hell and that's what it's all about heaven and hell what will you spend eternity when you die that's why we go soul winning that's why we do what we do that's why i've given my life to this ministry why because it's not about you know we we got to get away from this idea that oh you're a jew so you're good no no you're not good you need jesus christ just like everybody else and today it's a false religion today it's a it's a bad place spiritually but one day, God will restore Jerusalem. God will restore that temple. God will restore his, pe- you know, his people. But his people won't be the Jews that are of the seed of Abraham. They'll be the Jews that are of the seed of Jesus Christ, that are in the elect. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.